Today on Good Friday, we're bringing to you a special 20-minute message from David Platt called, Why is Good Friday Good? Currently, our culture questions the very idea of truth. The fact that anyone would claim to know something, especially as it relates to eternity, can sound arrogant. Yet in John 14, 6, Jesus claims to be the way and the truth and the life. If he actually died on the cross and rose from the dead, then his claim to be the very way to God is not arrogant, but it's the best news in the world. And so we encourage you to share this short message with anyone you know who might benefit from hearing it. You can share this message directly from your podcast provider, or you can find it on our website right now at Radical.net. Hi, I'm David Platt, and I know uh, you might be in a variety of different places right now. You might be at work, at home, um, gathered together with a group of people somewhere, or totally alone. But uh, on this Good Friday, I want to invite you to think with me for a few minutes about what makes Good Friday good. So today, Good Friday, marks the day when people around the world remember Jesus' death on a cross, which leads to the question, like, what's so good about this day? Why, why is the death of Jesus so significant in history? And in a sense, more important, like, why would his death be significant for your life today or my life? Like, that's an important question. In order to answer it, I want you to think with me about something Jesus said just days before he died. So soon before Jesus would be betrayed and arrested and crucified on a cross, he said these words in John chapter 14, verse 6 in the Bible. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is an astounding claim. I would say the most astounding claim anyone has ever made in history. Like, just think about what Jesus was saying in that statement. In a world of many ways, Jesus was claiming to be the way. Like, in a world of many different religions, Jesus was saying that he was the way to God. The essence of what Jesus taught is that all people everywhere, including you and me, have been created by God, but all of us have turned to our own ways. Like it, it looks different in each of our lives, each of our stories is different, but what unites all of us is that we've all turned from God's way to our own way. The Bible and Jesus calls this sin, and naturally it separates us from God. Not only does it separate us from God, but it makes us guilty before God. And the words of Jesus, like, this is every one of our biggest problem. We all have, in different ways, rebelled against God, and we all stand under the judgment of God. And Jesus is saying here that He is the only way to be saved from that judgment. Not just a way, but the way. And all who don't believe in Him remain under God's judgment. So Jesus is fundamentally denouncing here like a mountain theory of religions that's pretty common today in the world. Like we're all at the bottom of a mountain and God or whatever you want to call him is at the top of the mountain and you may take this path up and I may take that path and in the end we're all going to be in the same place. 
to the idea that all religions are fundamentally the same and equally valid, maybe just superficially different. Religion is really a matter of preference or personal taste, and no one of them is more true than the others. Faith's almost like ice cream. You just choose your favorite flavor of ice cream, so you choose your flavor of faith. You choose whatever way works for you. But this is where Jesus' claim goes to a whole other level when he says he's not only the way, but he says, I am the truth. Amidst a culture that questions truth, Jesus claims to be the truth. Amidst a world that kind of sets truth aside and says faith is a matter of personal taste or even tradition. You think about it, so if you're born in India, maybe you're likely a Hindu. If you're born an Arab, maybe you're likely Muslim. If you're born in certain parts of the United States, you're likely to be an atheist. If you're born in other parts of the United States, maybe you're more likely to be a Christian. So faith is just a matter of tradition than anything else. And in a world that oftentimes sees faith as a matter of taste, like whatever works for you, or tradition, whatever's most acceptable around you, Jesus says faith is actually a matter of truth, which makes sense when you think about it. Because all religions can't be true at the same time. As a result, in at least some, if not many or most religions, people are basing their lives and their faith on a lie. Which sounds strong, but it's, it's obvious. Like, just think about it. Either, either God does exist, which Christianity and other religions would claim, or God doesn't exist, which Atheism or agnosticism or some other belief systems would claim or at least lean toward. So this is really not a matter of taste or tradition. This is a matter of truth, like either God is or God is not. And that means either atheists or Christians, for example, are basing their lives on a lie. Like they can't both be right. Or you think about Islam and Christianity when it, when it comes to uh, the death of Jesus. Christians obviously believe that Jesus died on a cross. Muslims, however, believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross. Now, at this point, I'm not even asking anybody to say like which one is true. Just pointing out both of these belief systems can't be true at the same time. Either Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave, or Jesus did die on the cross and rise from the grave. So, what Muslims say on that, or what Christians say on that, they can't both be true at the same time. So either Muslims or Christians are, are basing their belief on a lie. This is pretty important stuff because eternity is dependent on what's true here. Not on, eternity is not dependent on where we were born or what we prefer, taste or tradition. It's based on truth. So and I don't want to just state the obvious, but certainly where we're going to spend eternity is a more important decision than whether or not we're going to eat chocolate or vanilla ice cream or what seems most acceptable to the people right around us. Like, truth really matters. And Jesus is claiming to be true. He's claiming to be the true representation of God, who's speaking the truth about God, that all people have turned away from God. And the only way to be brought back to God is through what He would do on the cross. So days really even hours after Jesus said these words, he went to a cross where Jesus, who had never once sinned against God, died. Now death is the payment for sin. It's the just judgment of God due sin. But if Jesus had never sinned, then why did he die? And the answer is he died in the place of sinners. He, he died 
for you and for me. And Jesus took the just judgment due you and me in our sin upon Himself so that anyone, anywhere, no matter how you've sinned against God or I've sinned against God, when we put our faith, our hope, our trust in what Jesus did on the cross, we can be restored to God forever. Not because that's our preference or our tradition, but because we believe this is true. Now, again, I know that's an astounding thing to believe. I mean, after all, many people in history have made astounding claims, and just because they make those claims doesn't mean we should believe them. But this is where Jesus goes to a whole other level, because not only did Jesus claim to die, but He claimed to have authority to conquer death and to come back to life. So yeah, many people have made extravagant claims in history, including many religious teachers in the world, but in all of their lives, you think about it, their death was the tragic end of their story. Whether it was Muhammad dying at 62, Confucius dying at 72, the Buddha dying at 80, Moses dying at 120 years old, like all these leaders' deaths marked the end of their stories. But Jesus' death, in a very real sense, marked the beginning of his story because he was claiming not just to be the way and the truth, but to all who long for peace and joy, Jesus was claiming to be the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And three days after he died of his own accord, Jesus was alive, which makes Jesus utterly unique in the history of the world. Who else in history has conquered death. And this is why Jesus was always talking about life and eternal life at that. He would meet people at different points in their lives. He'd find them with the same longings that you and I have, like longings for peace, longing for comfort, for meaning, for joy, for life to the fullest. So he said to a woman at a well who had had numerous husbands yet found herself alone, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, like this well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He said to a crowd of hungry people one time, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He said to a people looking at darkness in the world around them, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said to people whose joy and peace were continually being taken from them in the world, He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. What Jesus was saying is that life is found in relationship with God and being restored to relationship with God, which is why Jesus closes out the statement saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. And the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, as soon as we hear that, I'm guessing some of you wonder, at least I do, like, why would God only make one way to himself? I have heard, heard people ask, like, isn't God more creative than that? Or more importantly, isn't God more loving than that? Why did He not make many ways? And that's a great question. And it really causes us to s step back and think about the whole story. Like, have you ever been in a discussion with somebody where you, you talk through all kinds of issues for like a couple of hours and then somebody else joins in the conversation a couple of hours after you've been in it and starts bringing up things that you were talking about a long time before that and 
part of you is like, well, who invited you in the discussion? Like, we've already covered that. And they're not able to understand where you are at this point in the discussion because they haven't been through the discussion at this point. I think that's how uh, we need to think about this statement. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. we got to realize, when Jesus said this, he, we're coming in on a discussion that began a long time ago. Like, picture this with me. So just, even if you are... Uh, atheist, agnostic, or well, whatever your belief might be at this moment. Imagine with me for a second, just suppose that there is one true God who created a world. And He created the world with all of its beauty and majesty and glory and creation, mountains and seas and oceans. And, and then as His prized creation, He breathed life into a man and a woman. And He created them with a unique capacity to know Him and relate to Him, to love Him and to love one another. And imagine He said to this man and the woman, I want you to experience life with Me forever. Now, if you disobey Me, if you turn from Me, you will die. But I don't want you to die. I want you to experience life forever. And imagine this man and woman said, yes, we just want to experience life with you. But then imagine that one day, for no just reason, like the man and woman decide, their Creator is not really good, doesn't really love them. They'd be better off doing things their own way. And so the creation disobeyed their Creator. Imagine the Creator going to His creation and saying, I told you that if you disobeyed me, if you turned from me, you would experience death. But then imagine the Creator having set in motion a plan to make it possible for his creation, to still experience life in Him. Imagine the Creator, as the creation grew and multiplied, taking a smaller group from among His creation and saying, I'm going to enter into a special relationship with you, almost like a marriage relationship. It's called a covenant in the Bible with this people. And the Creator is saying, I want you to then spread my love to all peoples. I want all my creation to know my love and experience life in me. And imagine the smaller group of people saying, yes, we want to do that. But then, almost as soon as that marriage-type relationship beginning with the Creator and covenant relationship with Him, imagine that small group of people saying, we're going to worship other gods instead of our Creator. We're going to turn to ourselves in this way and that way. Imagine the Creator sending messengers to His people. They're called prophets in the Bible with good news of the Creator's love, saying, if you will turn back to the Creator, He will forgive your sins. If you will turn back to the Creator, you can have life in Him. And imagine the creation taking those messengers and stoning them and persecuting them, imprisoning them, silencing them. And imagine after centuries of doing that, the Creator, instead of just sending a messenger, the Creator were to commit the ultimate act of condescension and come to His creation Himself. Imagine the Creator in the flesh, loving and caring for His creation, healing people who were sick, bringing good news of the Creator's love. And imagine the creation taking the Creator Himself in the flesh and Betraying Him, arresting Him, mocking Him, beating Him, spitting in His face, and then nailing Him to the cross 
and the most cruel form of death imaginable in that day. And imagine after all of that, the Creator were to say to anyone in all creation, including you, me, like if you will just believe in my love for you and what I did to come and make it possible for you to have life, if you would just believe that I love you enough to come and to pay the price for all your sins, if you'll just believe that, then I will forgive you of all your sin and you can experience eternal life with me. Now, if that story is true, which is really the story of the Bible, then do you think it would make sense to then say to this Creator, why is there only one way? Like, couldn't you be more creative? I thought you were loving. No, when we realize the whole story, we realize the question is not why is there only one way. Instead, we realize the question is why is there any way at all? And we recognize this is really not a matter of how many ways there are. Like if there were a thousand ways to God, we would want a thousand and one. Like the issue is not how many ways there are. The issue is our own autonomy. Like we want to make our own way. And the God of the universe in His grace is saying, I have made a way to you. He has not left us alone. He's not left you alone. God has come to you. He has died on a cross for you. He has risen from the grave so that you might have life. And that life is found in believing in Jesus and receiving His love for you. And that is good news. It's what makes Good Friday good. So in light of this news, I want to invite you today, like on this Good Friday, if you have never put your faith in Jesus and what He did on a cross for your sin, if you've never trusted in His love to know eternal life, if you've never said, I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life, and I want to come to God through you, I want to invite you to do that now. And I know this may seem a little strange if you're with a group or in an office or neighbor's house or some other kind of public space. But if you feel comfortable enough to do this, I would just invite you to bow your head and close your eyes to pray. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's, that's fine. What's most important here is your heart. Regardless, I just want to invite you to say in your heart to God, right, right now on this Good Friday, yes, like to confess to God, I know that I have sinned against you. To say to Him that you know you are separated from Him. But then to confess your belief that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. That He is the way to be forgiven of sin. He is the truth. He is the way to eternal life. And as you put your faith in Jesus, ask God right now to forgive you of your sin against Him and to restore you to Himself, to give you eternal life with Him as Lord of your life. To say, Jesus, I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life, and I am coming to God through you. When you pray that, when you express that in your heart to God, oh, you can know that you have reconciliation, restoration 
to God. If you prayed that now, I'd invite you to look up, regardless of whether or not you would bow your heads. If you have put your trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord today, then I, I want to encourage you to share that with somebody else. Maybe even somebody else that you watched this with. And then I want to invite you to church, even well, especially if you just placed your faith in Jesus. Or if you haven't yet done that, but you're interested in exploring more about who Jesus is and what Jesus taught, I want to invite you to go to a church that believes this good news. If you're in the metro Washington area, I want to invite you specifically to McLean Bible Church. We have services at our Tyson's campus on Easter Sunday morning at 7.30, 9, 11, and then 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock that afternoon. That's at Tyson's, around Tyson's Corner. We also have campuses in Prince William, uh, Loudoun, Montgomery County, Arlington that are all hosting services as well. Like We want to help you grow in your faith in Christ in the days ahead. That's why church is so important. And really, that's why this day is so significant. Because Jesus' death on the cross 2,000 years ago makes life possible for us today. And not just today, but for all of eternity. And that makes this a pretty good Friday.